You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. Much of the discussion around what countries like Canada are doing to help Ukraine has focused on military aid. It's a more controversial topic with nuanced policy on either side. And of course, there is simply more tension in a story about exactly how far NATO allies can push Russia before we risk a bigger war. But as valiantly as the Ukrainian military is fighting, there is a bigger disaster taking shape. They bombed everything. 60% of people have left. There's nothing left behind. No kindergarten, schools, post offices. She left after her neighbor's house was struck by a bomb two days ago. One of the questions that we've heard most on the invasion from our listeners is simple. How can I help? It can be daunting in a situation like this to figure out where your time, money, and effort can make the biggest difference. There are no shortage of organizations doing work for Ukrainians still in their cities under fire or for those who have fled with the clothes on their backs. The needs are huge and varied. So today we will try to break down what you can do from right here, how you can do it, where to start, and where the victims of this war will gain the most from it. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Orest Zakadolsky is the Senior Policy Advisor for the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress. Orest, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Can you maybe begin, I know this isn't easy, but by giving us a sense of the scope of the civilian crisis in this war? How many have fled Ukraine? How many people need help? So this is probably the greatest humanitarian crisis, uh, certainly in Europe, uh, since World War II. Uh, in a month, about 4 million people have left Ukraine. And in Ukraine, uh, about 10 million people are displaced from their homes. Uh, this is in a country with about a population of about 40 million people. So 10% of the population has been forced to, to leave, and uh, a quarter of the population is internally displaced. That's a staggering amount. What do we know about how many people uh, have been injured or killed? I know it can be really hard to get uh, reliable figures amidst the chaos, but just trying to get a sense of of how awful this is. I mean, the amount of the amount of people killed is certainly uh, of civilians killed is certainly in the thousands, uh, if not more. I mean, you're right. It is. It's very difficult to get accurate numbers on on these types of things but i mean you know the russians are attacking cities with air power and with uh, uh artillery and cruise missiles mm-hmm. uh cities like mariupol mariupol is a city of 400,000 people in the southeast of ukraine that has been essentially destroyed uh there are still civilians there uh the russian forces that have encircled it are not allowing uh for humanitarian corridors 
you know, that's just, it's, again, 400,000 people uh, that within a matter of a couple of weeks have had their entire city destroyed. That is probably the worst situation right now is in Mariupol, but there are, are also uh, terrible situations in, in Kharkiv, which is in eastern Ukraine, which is also under heavy bombardment. Uh, and and other cities, Kiev, the capital, also is being bombed. Uh, so it is, you know, something that is uh, very kind of difficult to fathom happening in 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 the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I mean, this is a small comfort, no doubt. But one of the questions, you know, we've repeatedly uh, heard from listeners is trying to find specific ways they can help uh, Ukrainian civilians who need it. And so that's why you're here today. And maybe we'll just start uh, with our own government. Um, We've talked a lot about military aid that various governments uh, are sending to Ukraine. What is the Canadian government doing to help Ukrainian civilians right now? Well, so there's two, well, actually three issues to this, right? One is to get help to the people who are in Ukraine. Uh, The second is to get help to the people who have left Ukraine and are in uh, Poland and and other bordering countries in the West. Uh, And the third is trying to help Ukrainians come here and and find shelter and refuge in Canada uh, until the war ends. Mm -hmm. So on the first two, I mean, the Canadian government uh, is, is... providing funds to international organizations like the Red Cross and and UNHCR and others. Uh, The problem we're seeing with that aid getting to the people in Ukraine is that it is difficult to get humanitarian aid into the country because, frankly, because the Russians are not letting it in. So there is not, you know, safe passage for aid to, to get in. Uh, and in those situations, the international organizations are not uh, functioning as they should be. Uh, for the people who who have fled and are in western borders of Ukraine, the bordering countries, uh, the situation is a bit better. But again, Poland, which is a country of 30 million people, uh, within three or four weeks has accepted 3 million people into it. And that is, you know, an incredible humanitarian crisis in Poland to deal with that sort of just that amount of people. Right. There is aid getting to those people. You know, people in in these bordering countries are are taking people into their homes. Uh, you know, doing what they can. And then the third part is is getting people to Canada. So the Canadian government has announced. Uh, emergency travel authorization for Ukrainian citizens, which basically makes applying for and getting a, a visa to come to Canada easier and is offering, uh, you know, work permits and, and stays of up to three years. Now, the problem is that there isn't as yet, and we are talking to the government about this, but as yet there are no federal supports hmm. for these people. So you're talking about a population of people who, uh, about 90% of those who've left Ukraine are women and children. And so to expect that people can land here and, you know, within a matter of days, find housing and employment is, is right. unrealistic. 
And so we are asking the federal government to develop a program of at least, you know, 90 day transition supports uh, for for these displaced people who are coming here. So that's kind of the three areas in which the government is working. I'm glad you sort of broke it up into those three segments because I was also going to start with uh, straight money that people have and want to give. And I think one of the things that we've heard is is there is a sense uh, in terms of giving to programs like the Red Cross or uh, Medicine Sans Frontières that it, it's got a long way to go before it gets into the hands of the people who really need it and it's difficult to get uh, it directly to Ukrainians. So if people do want to to give cash, what works best and fastest and gets right to Ukrainians on the ground? So, I mean, we are together with the Canada-Ukraine Foundation running a humanitarian appeal where we basically, there are there are local partners um, on the ground there that we work with to get things into Ukraine. Uh, and so we've we've managed to, you know, on, thanks to the generosity of, of Canadians, raise raise millions of dollars for this effort. Over five million uh, dollars of aid has been deployed already through our program. Wow! Um, and so I I don't want to get into the specifics of how and what and where we're delivering this stuff because it's because of the security situation. Right. In Ukraine, uh, but you know, the, we we are delivering it with with uh, partners on the ground there, and you know, so people can can go to our website ucc.ca or the website of the Canada Ukraine Foundation, which is cufoundation.ca, uh, and find out how to donate to that effort. Uh, the second thing we're doing is getting together people to who can help with the uh, displaced people who are coming here. So again, on our website, there's forms that people can fill out if they're willing to take people into their homes or provide employment or provide assistance to people. Um, it's a fairly easy process to fill it out. And, and we're working with local settlement agencies here to deliver that assistance to people who will be coming to Canada. I want to talk more about that process in a minute because there's a lot to it. But first, beyond money, uh, what about actual, you know, goods and aid packages? I am seeing some uh, community groups, you know, banding together to to put together packages of things that that might be of use to either displaced people or people uh, stuck in Ukraine who can't leave. Is that more helpful or less helpful than giving money and and how do they even get, as you pointed out, the Russians are, are not letting much in there. You know, how difficult is it to get physical goods into that country rather than um, funds? Well, so what I would say is that, look, everything is helpful um, for people who have, you know, things they want to donate. Basically, f- find your local Ukrainian church. Okay. Uh, or your local Ukrainian uh, organization and, you know. Pretty much all of them are involved in this now. Uh, so some of that is going to be for people who are coming here, and some of that is going to Poland, Romania, Czech, Slovakia, other countries where there are displaced people, and some of it is going to Ukraine. I mean, it is challenging but not impossible to get things in. There, It, it is just 
it requires some nimbleness that that perhaps the larger international organizations do not have and we fortunately do have right really the entire ukrainian community here is mobilized helping people so really just find your local ukrainian organization or reach out to the ukrainian canadian congress and we'll put you in touch with people who are who are helping like everyone is involved in this and you know i i i will say that although these are very difficult times it is truly uh, an honor to be able to work with these people and to see how they're responding to this How important is it that Canadians step up here? I know we've spoken um, since the beginning of this war about the huge uh, Ukrainian population in Canada, I think second only uh, to Ukrainians in Russia. How much is that population uh, being counted on to to help people get out of the country, help them get what they need, etc.? Well, I mean, our our community, as I said, is certainly stepping up, and and uh, what we need is more support from the federal government. What do you need from the government? Just money or uh, other stuff? If we're talking about helping displaced people, what we need is a is a is a program in place from the federal government that offers these people support. Right. Uh, and so that's you know nine, 90 days transition. I mean, a lot of these people will need will need help with trauma that they've suffered through war, uh, these kinds of things. So really the, the government, which has announced that they are willing to accept a lot of people also has a responsibility to then help them when they're, when they do accept them. And, and frankly, even, you know, from, from the, the beginning, things like helping them get here, Right. Right. Like right now, right now, the way the program's set up is like, yeah, you can come to Canada, but you got to figure out how you get here. Right. And there are volunteer groups that, and you know, that are helping with this, but there needs to be a government program that assists people in coming here. Right. So starting from there and then, and then when they are, when they do come to Canada, there has to be some sort of there, there has to be programs in place that, that assist them uh, until they can get, you know, on their feet and working and, and supporting themselves. So we've, we've been in constant contact with the Department of Immigration uh, and the minister's office on this and have presented a whole list of recommendations that we think the government should, should implement. So that brings me back to um, ordinary Canadians who want to help. And I'm curious about uh, the process uh, if somebody wants to host a displaced person. You mentioned it starts uh, on on your website with a form. What should people expect? How fast does this happen? Uh, what will those people need when they get here? Well, I mean, I, I think it depends a lot on who the 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 people are, right? So, right. you know, if someone is, is a is a let's say a mother who has a small child whose father or her husband or is is fighting in the wars in the army in Ukraine someone who has a small small child needs child care before they can go to work yeah the kids will be able to get into schools but not i mean if you're if your child is 2 years old he or she is not going to school mm-hmm. you know canadians who are willing to uh, host people. The the process is basically. I mean, if you if you give us your information, we get it to 
the settlement agencies that are in your town or region. There's a check that that they do, and they're, they're, these agencies are, are you know professionals at this and know how to how to do it. Uh, and then you know after that, someone will will come and stay with you. Right. So that's sort of the the process is let us know that you're willing to host someone, you, you will be contacted by us by a local settlement agency and then and then someone will come and stay with you. You mentioned that there's not really a program to help these people get here right now. I'm also wondering if we know anything about how many Ukrainians will be coming to Canada? Is there any limit on that? Have the, has the government said anything about or is it just as many people as can get here will take? So the government has, there is no limit on the amount of people who can apply through the, the emergency travel uh, authorization. We know that since the programs opened, there's apparently been thousands of applications. You know, I, I mean, it is it is virtually impossible to be able to tell how many people exactly would be coming, but but certainly it's you know from what it looks like from people from from applications, it's in the thousands right now. Uh, and the programs, the 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 actual programs, only been online for a few days, so that's that's bound to grow. Uh, there's a second stream as well, which is family reunification, which you know that's people who are here in Canada who have relatives in Ukraine. Uh, we're talking to the government about broadening the definition of, of people who are eligible to apply for that from immediate family to a broader uh, circle, you know, cousins, aunts, uncles, et cetera. Um, and so that will also quite possibly, you know, there's 1.4 million Ukrainians in Canada. Many of us have, have relatives there who would want, who would need to, to come over, right? So there's probably in the thousands there as well. What kind of giving or aid isn't quite as helpful as people might think? Like where are energy and resources being spent right now that might be better used elsewhere? Look, I would say that there really isn't an answer to that because the needs are so immense. It really is kind of anything people can do to help is, is more than welcome. What we would ask too, though, is that when people do, when when someone does decide to help, when you contact you know your your local church, your local Ukrainian organization, that you speak to them about what they're doing and and how they're they're coordinating their uh, assistance, rather than kind of show up, right? You know, because there are so many people doing so many things that it's 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 important to have some coordination with with local uh, organizations who are working on this but but again look and anything from like shipping aid even you know things like we've had people lawyers who are willing to do pro bono work for on on certain issues right mm-hmm. like there's there's really the the spectrum of things that are needed is so broad that that there really is no right or wrong thing to be doing. And and we certainly welcome any and all uh, opportunities for people to to come and, and help out with this. That's great to hear. I want to ask just one more thing, if I could, just because uh, hopefully at some point really soon, uh, this war will be over. Are you guys thinking right now about how how your strategy will have to change when that happens? Will it happen? Like, what are you thinking about um, if you're thinking about it at all when the conflict ends? 
Well, I mean, look, right now we're 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 focused entirely on helping Ukraine win this war and on helping people uh, who have been affected by it. Uh, of course. So, I mean, there there is going to be an enormous amount of work that has to be done after after the war is over and after what I have absolutely no doubt will be a Ukrainian victory in the war. But uh, we right now we just we we have to focus on on the immediate needs of these of of these people who have been uh, affected by war and and we will get to the reconstruction and rebuilding and and all that after victory. I hope we see that soon, Orest. Thank you so much for this. Uh, really appreciate it. If you would, could you um, just give those website addresses one more time? So the website of the Ukrainian Canadian Congress is ucc.ca the website of the canada ukraine foundation is cufoundation.ca orist zakadolsky of the ukrainian canadian congress that was the big story for more from us head to the big story podcast.ca find us on twitter at the big story fpn and talk to us anytime via email the Big Story Podcast at rci.rogers.com. You can find this podcast in every podcast player, literally. You can also ask for it with your smart speaker by saying, play the Big Story Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.